We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS girlies. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. We hope you all had a long and lovely weekend. I'm obviously here with Kate. Uh, we have a whole lot to talk about today, but Kate, but Kate um, how are you? Do you want to kick off the, the intersection of the pod? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's cold as hell in New York, but you know, Emma and I are from the Midwest, so we're quite used to it. Um, uh, my vibes lately are just wake up, run, edit dumb little videos on my phone, read a book, do more of that, take an edible. <laughs> I feel like every day is the same for me, but I'm loving it and I'm getting in a good routine with running. Um, uh, my first point that I want to talk about, which will kind of tie to one of my like topics for the podcast, is about like injury and like how your body has changed through it. I've talked about this in my personal socials, but I think all the CMOS girlies could benefit to hear that like if you are going through any sort of body changes and I bet all of us have at some point, whether that's like the second puberty that we've mentioned before, or maybe you're starting a new like way to work out or you're just moving your body in different ways or vice versa. Let's say you're injured and you're not able to move your body as much. Just honor how your body is changing. I feel like it's really easy to always be hyper aware of how your body looks and like really nitpick it in front of the mirror and like notice the little things that change even when other people don't notice. And when I look back on like, let's say the past five years of my life, I don't remember like the three months when, oh, maybe I thought my body was better. And then the next two where maybe I didn't like my body and I struggled a lot. But when you're in the moment, it's so hard to step back and like abstract yourself from fixating on your body and I think I've just gone through a lot of body changes the past year with my injury when I was not active lost a lot of fitness and like wasn't able to run had to go to PT couldn't really walk whatever and now I'm getting at a point where I'm running almost better than I was like when I first started running like I I was running pretty fast when I first was running my body was different I was fresh off being a college athlete so I was just like in much better fitness and now like let's say four or five years later I'm finally getting back to that point but I think the biggest lesson that I learned is like, you can make progress without having to go back into the same 
ways that you were. Like you don't have to go and restrict food. You don't have to lose weight to make progress. I've gained so much muscle. And I was talking to my mom, like after one of my runs that went well. And I was like, I don't know how I'm running fucking faster. And she's like, you gain muscle, like must you're stronger now. Like you can just run faster. And I think when I, you know, I have so much diet culture shit just floating in my head. And that seems like a truth that can't be possible. Um, and it kind of ties into a book that I read that someone wanted me to talk about in the intro uh, called What's Eating Us. It's about eating disorders. And the author has had one and she talks about her experience. So if you don't want to read anything that is kind of triggering about eating disorders, I wouldn't suggest it. But it, I would say it's a book for people that are not obviously recovered. I kind of would argue you can't really ever be recovered, but you're not in the thick of like your first round of outpatient treatment or something like that. Let's say you think like I'm kind of emotionally recovered and mentally recovered. She talks about a lot of things that I think slip into our subconscious about diet culture and food. And it's been really helpful for me to read as I'm training for a marathon and just kind of, you know, honoring how my body changes, as I said at the beginning. So a good book recommendation if anyone wants one, like about eating disorder stuff. Yeah, I've seen that book floating around on social media. I have it saved on Libby, but I actually want to read the physical copy of it. So maybe once I work through my massive stack that I currently have, I will purchase that. Um, Kind of getting into my first point. Yeah, life has kind of been the same old, same old for me over here. But this past week, one interesting moment did occur for me. Uh, we are big I'm chomps excited for this. fans over here. Uh, we love our chomps. And, you know, whenever I go to Trader Joe's, I always pick up a few sticks. And I decided to get a, like, the jalapeno beef one, which I never really get. Um, and so, you know, I, like, don't look at them when I purchase them. So I just, like, you know, pick a few and whatnot. And... I was about to eat it when I was at work because I was just like, I need my quick little protein snack. And just like something looked off about the beef stick. Just like it looked a little, just the color was off and it like looked a little like shriveled up. And I was like, whatever, maybe this is just a random weird thing about this like beef stick. So I opened it up and I take a bite and I'm like, this this does not taste right. It truly like sent shivers on my spine how awful the taste of the beef stick was. And I was like, I do not know what's going on, but there is like something up here. So I look at the expiration date and my fucking Chomps beef stick expired like back in 2023. And so I have this like expired beef stick in my mouth and I'm like, I, I'm not going to swallow this. So I was so nervous it was going to give me like a stomach ache. <laughs> yeah. So I walk slowly, not slowly, but I kind of like frantically walk to the to the bathroom with like this like half chewed up beef stick in my mouth and I spit it out and like obviously it looks like vomit because like beef stick just looks like dog food um and I'm kind of traumatized from the entire experience I can't even explain what it tasted like because it was just like such a peculiar taste that like my taste buds had never experiencing and experienced anything like that did not taste like jalapeno at all um and so chomps if you want to like send me a bunch of fresh <laughs> chomsticks um as an apology i would greatly appreciate that i'm not going to send you a nasty dm and i'm not going to like blast you on the internet because i am not that type of person and i'm not like that desperate for chomsticks since they're like fairly affordable um but now i have to like check my expiration date on my chomsticks and kate and i were talking about the soft pod that we didn't even realize that like beef jerky could like go no. bad because i thought it was just like cured and it was just one of those things that could like live on the shelves for years um, but yeah, girlies, just like check on your expiration dates on everything. And also Trader Joe's employees, can you like please audit <laughs> your chomstick um uh, uh section just to make sure that you're not accidentally selling any expired beef sticks? And I probably should have like gone back and gotten like a refund, but I was like, it's a dollar ninety-nine, so be it. But that was my funny moment of the week. And my boyfriend, who is like addicted to chomps as well, found the story quite amusing. 
Uh, so I hope other girlies find a good laugh, but I've never have had like a bad experience with expired food before. And this was like really the first one and I've never gotten food poisoning, but I'm like, uh, just like anything kind of food related to that just kind of freaks me out. Yeah. I don't love that for you. Now I'm kind of paranoid because I, I, I'm a victim of never checking expiration dates. Um, cause I feel like I know like quantities and I just can tell if something's a little bit off, but Maybe I've been eating expired cottage cheese or something. I don't fucking know. Um, a few of my notes, one of them, or both of them are products. Um, the first one is Acid League. So Acid League is a sauce brand. They make like very elevated, sophisticated vinegars, dressings, um, like hot sauces, etc. And they have this one that is so fucking addicting. I think it might be their best selling sauce. And honestly, as much as I like, I use these sauces every day, but I think I've had them for like five months because like I was kind of appalled at the prices of these like vinegars, you know, just because vinegar is like a fairly cheap thing. But I have had them for a long time. So that's just a side note. But the saffron gold sauce by Acid League, it's called like their secret sauce. And how would I describe it? Let's think of like some food words, you know, when people have like all of the like, it's umami and it's this and it has a punch of yuzu. Like I'm not that sophisticated with my food vocabulary. But I've been using it as like a tangy pot sauce. And the way that I've been eating it is kind of fucked up. But here's how I've been eating it. A uh, tortilla chip from Masa, which I really like. Or I also got these protein chips from Wild that are like salt and vinegar. They also have like chicken and waffles. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a chip, dip it in some cottage cheese, like a scoop situation. Put the saffron gold sauce on top of it and then eat it. And there's something about like the creamy cottage cheese with this saffron gold that like I could eat that every meal. I've been eating so much fucking cottage cheese. I'm just addicted to that taste. So if anyone's looking for an acid league like thing to try out, definitely would recommend that one. And then my second product is one that I've been sleeping on. Like I've been familiar with it for probably five years. It's literally always been in my top shelf, but I just always forget to put it on. And it's by the company Dr. Jart. So it's a skincare product and it's this repair cream. And so it's this green, like, uh, what am I thinking? Like container. And it's like some goopy green shit that you put on your face. It kind of looks like uh, almost like Mod Podge or like clay or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so the logic of the product is that it helps reduce redness because the green, you know, you put on your face, it counteracts that. And so I've just not had to wear like foundation since I've been wearing it. And it's like, not I feel like it doesn't lead to any acne for me that was I think why I never put it on because it just seemed like a lot to put on your face but if you're a girly with any sort of like redness or dullness or just like uneven tone it's so helpful because I realize a lot of times like the reason I gravitate to wear foundation is just because my skin is like seven different colors and I feel like it looks bad if I put on like a smidge of blush blush or something because my face is like a fucking paint palette um so the cream has been really helping just like doing all my skincare, putting on the repair cream, and then like just putting on like boy brow and blush. And I feel just like so good about my skin. So shout out to Dr. Jart. That product is is really good. Yeah, I used that in college and I remember really liking it. And I don't know why I stopped, but I remember having like really great results from that too. Cause I feel like I would always get rosacea like on my cheeks. Yeah. Um. So highly recommend for the girlies. Also the saffron gold from acid league sounds delicious i kind of forgot that they were like a brand and they were like on my instagram because i think they're like closing their online store and that was just like every single post that i was seeing on my instagram feed and i was like i don't know what's going on here so yeah girlies if you want acid league maybe try to figure out if you can find at your local whole foods i'm sure they're carried at other like small little shoppy shops around the nation um but they're definitely carried at whole foods but they're gonna bring back their online shop i believe 
they're just working through some things. I don't even know why I like know this insider scoop because I never pay attention when I'm scrolling on Instagram these days. But my right. last point is that just this past week, I feel like we've gotten a few nice DMs, at least on my personal Instagram and also just like on the CMOS girlies page. And they really have been so touching and heartwarming. So for the girlies who have sent us DMs, thank you so much. Kate and I have been doing this podcast for a long time. And for me, it's like really easy to forget that like people actually listen to this podcast and the fact that people are still with us is like amazing and I feel like just at times like you and I are just like so in the routine with with potting that it almost just feels like not necessarily like a chore but just like something that I have to check off my like weekly to-do list and I Mm -hmm. always just forget that there's actual like listeners and an audience that consumes our content and I'm really happy that you know we've made an impact in some sort of way so if you ever have something special to say definitely send us a direct dm i never really read the the reviews anymore because i just don't care at this point um but yeah it was just like nice to remember that like oh yeah we do um you know have a purpose in the world and that cmos release is actually like an important thing and just like the community in general in the online space that we have created does deserve to exist um just because there's not much of a feedback loop on podcasting and like kate and i don't really care about metrics we're not motivated by you know the money that we make from the podcast you know ad reads um so yeah thank you for just all the sweet words it just yeah it really did something for me this past week thank you to the girlies yeah it's easy to just feel like you're posting into a void so we appreciate the feedback and like emma said it's just so cool to know that there's so many different people that have somehow discovered us. I think that's the most kind of sh- shocking and like great part I'm grateful for is just thinking about our reach and like the different types of people and like maybe what, you know, resonates and maybe how we've helped them. I think that's one thing that always keeps me very excited about the pod and the memes um, as goofy and silly as they are. But that's the intro for this week. Um, we're starting off 2024 with more chatty episodes. Um, let us know if you want us to do like more of those in-depth ones I I think Emma and I both kind of like this back and forth where we talk about subjects that you guys submit but if there's any like long form topics you want us to discuss definitely let us know um we are all ears but I will call Emma back and then we'll get into this week's pod we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. 
This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, CMOS girlies. We are so excited to announce today's podcast sponsor, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Are you tired of cooking the same slop? Well, spice it up with the premier variety offered by Green Chef. You can embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu with 80 plus options. Green Chef even has tons of lifestyle preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you name it. Supporting your gut health can be challenging, but Green Chef makes it really easy and fun because their meals are nutrient-dense, science-backed, gut and brain health recipes, which are all developed in partnership with registered dietitians that can help improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. If you girlies are looking to stock up your pantry on different functional snacks and clean beverages, you know, the ones that support your gut and brain health this January, lucky for you, Green Chef has different green bundles, which are a curated selection of unique hand-picked goods that support your overall wellness goals. Emma and I love using Green Chef to learn how to cook new dishes, to spice up our pantry with new goodies and snacks, and have much less worry about grocery shopping. So if you're interested in trying out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash 60CMOS and use code 60CMOS to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Now back to the show. Okay, CMOS Rallies, it is time to get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. We're going to be starting off with saturated fats, kind of what they are. Um, This has been on our list of like podcast topics for a while. And I was like, you know what, let's finally get into this one. Uh, We've definitely done some episodes on like macronutrient breakdowns and like other episodes kind of similar to like that. So definitely go back and listen to those. But saturated fats, I think kind of to zoom out a little, there are three different types of fats. So you've got saturated, trans fat, and unsaturated fats. Um, trans fats were initially banned in 2015. So these aren't really accessible to, um, you know, us as a population anymore, just because of like how bad they are for our overall health. And then unsaturated fats, uh, generally get most of the spotlight when we are talking about fats and like the health benefits of fats, mainly because they are known to lower cholesterol and polyunsaturated fats, which are a type of unsaturated fat are known to lower inflammation. So, you know, think about your omega threes. But saturated fats are fats that are going to be found as a solid in room temperature at room temperature. So examples of saturated fats would be coconut and palm oil, fatty pieces of meat, such as like beef or lamb, and then other dairy products such as cream and whole milk. And it's just all based off of like how the carbon bonds are, you know, connected. I'm not going to get into like that type of science about fats um, because that's like goes way over my head. But really the whole conversation around saturated fats, there's just been this like ongoing debate whether they're truly healthy because they can raise blood lipids. So, you know, think cholesterol here and can also raise other heart disease factors. 
Um, and like, just given how prevalent heart diseases are in America and how many deaths occur because of that, it makes sense that people kind of actively avoid saturated fats or like really, really try to avoid their consumption of red meat, um, because of these ongoing claims. But kind of the question though, is like, are people kind of overreacting about this claim? Like, should people still be able to eat saturated fat and not worry? And really kind of like the biggest takeaway here is that you should really just always be focusing on like the source of your food versus just like all saturated fats as like a lump sum. Because like, yes, you know, with anything, a lot of processed foods contain saturated fats. They're going to lack a lot of health benefits. And just like processed foods just are always going to be, you know, they're never going to be nutritionally dense because they're always just going to have, you know, sugar, flour, salt, just like highly palatable ingredients that make you crave that food more and more and more. Um, and also too, like all foods are going to contain different nutrients and vitamins that can all work together to protect your health. So if something is considered like a fatty food, it does not necessarily mean that it, like it only comprises of fat. So think about almond butter, for example, like, yes, that is like a fatty food source, but it also has like protein and fiber, or even like, if you are eating red meat, if you're eating like a really, you know, high quality piece of like grass fed beef, like, yes, there's going to be some saturated fat in there, but also you're getting like such an incredible, like mineral and micronutrient profile that you're obtaining and get getting so many additional benefits through consuming that piece of meat that like the small amount of saturated fat really is not going to like negatively impact your health. And there was a study from the University of Cambridge, and the study compared around like 10,000 people who had developed heart diseases and then around like 17,000 people who did not. So this is like a fairly large study. And they were really focusing on looking at dietary habits and taking into account things such as like age, sex, physical activity levels, and other lifestyle factors between both groups just to kind of see, you know, what is causing one group to have heart disease and what was really like the root driver for it. And the data found really no specific correlation between like saturated fats and the risk of developing heart diseases overall. This was like really what the the question that they were trying to answer, but they did find common patterns between the groups. So like groups that did eat more red meat and butter did lead to a higher chance of heart diseases versus like the other group that was eating, you know, other saturated fat sources, but they were eating more cheese, yogurt, and fish. And we know that yogurt has a lot of great, you know, life cultures that are great for the gut health. You know, fish can be, you know, have a bunch of like great healthy omega-3s and omega-6s and then cheese too just depending on the type can have other great nutritional benefits um and so i think kind of like when we do see these like broad sweeping claims on the internet like you know carbs are bad fats are bad it really puts a lot of people like in a bad place because a lot of people will then actively avoid those you know specific food groups and it can lead to a lot of like orthorexic behaviors um, and so I definitely kind of encourage everyone, you know, if you do hear a broad sweeping claim, like definitely kind of like do your research or just like zoom out and think like, am I overreacting? Like, am I really actually going to die or is there something bad that's going to happen to me if I do eat this piece of food and always just focusing more on, you know, the source versus just like the entire category as a whole, because like, yes, carbs, like depending on the source can be bad, but there's also like plenty of like you know, very healthy carbs that you do want to have to fuel your body. So I think just like something to definitely keep in mind, but there is so much like back and forth about fats that it can be very convoluted. A lot of the, you know, conversations that you listen to on podcasts. So hopefully this kind of clears things up. Saturated fats aren't necessarily bad, but can be depending on the source that you're eating, but CMOS release are very smart. And so I'm sure you guys are not eating most of the ultra processed foods that typically get all the bad, um, the bad negative spotlight. Yeah. And one thing about like, I think any sort of diet or like lifestyle choice 
there's also cons to doing stuff. I think most of the time when you're making, quote, a healthy choice of like, I'm going to walk more or I'm going to cut out saturated fats. There's also like opportunity that that could mess with you. Not saying that like if you cut out saturated fats, they're going to lead to something bad. But I think I see that a lot when people are just like, I'm going to go gluten free for kind of no substantive reason or I'm going to cut out carbs. I don't think we think about the facts that these can mess with our health systems. It's like, oh, it only could like help me if I take ashwagandha. It's like, oh, no, it could fuck you up, too. So just be cautious about that as you go to make like dietary interventions. Um, the next question that I'm going to answer is about going through injury. I had a major injury, a stress fracture 2023. And someone DM'd asking like just how to mentally get through it and like physically as well. Um, they had an ACL injury. So I thought I would just share because I think this is important. I think you're, you know, it's not ideal to go through injuries. I do think they will happen. Little things will be like nitpicking in your body and maybe it leads to something bigger. Hopefully not. So when I had my stress fracture, I think the biggest first step that you have to do is to get information, uh, whether that's physical therapy, doctors, getting an MRI, getting a second opinion outside of just yourself, um, going down a WebMD rabbit hole of like, I have pain in my left knee and it hurts to walk is not going to get you anywhere with profound help. Um, so I think getting that like scientific like data in the beginning. And I think from that point, once you have more answers about what happened to your body, um, you need a team. I think you can't do it solo. It's kind of like having an eating disorder where if you're going to be the one that like gets you healthy, it's pretty impossible to be able to expect yourself to do that alone without like information, without resources, without certifications and knowledge and degrees in these things. Um, that was kind of my process with going through an injury. I know that there's more holistic alternative options. I explored a lot of acupuncture and cupping when I had my stress fracture at the same time, I still was going to see like a traditional physical therapist and doing stuff. Um, but you have to find like a really solid team that helps you. And I know it, the healthcare system's a bitch and it's really hard to find help that is like within your insurance and also you can afford it. Um, there's are a lot of like databases online. If you do want to look for physical therapists and certain certifications and different kind of healing modalities, like my physical therapist, I know that he went and got a specific certification in a type of movement practice. That's much more holistic than like his traditional, um, PT certification. So there's definitely information on the internet to sort of get help. But I think that's the first thing. And my second point is that you shouldn't hide anything. I think with, you know, the pressure of social media, at least for me, like, when I was going through my injury, my first like obvious line was like, I need to post about this and like tell people I'm not going to hide it. But I think that relates to anyone, regardless if you have a social following or not, because it's only going to just prolong this injury and this pain you're feeling. Like, even if you don't want to admit that something is wrong, it's much better, to, much better to catch it early if it's just a nagging ache than when it's develops into a full-blown injury. So I think that is a really smart thing. Um, and getting back into movement or whatever is won't necessarily make you better. I think I had that sort of myth in my head too of like, if I take off another week, I'm going to lose even more fitness, right? Like when I was at eight weeks of not working out, it's really hard mentally when you do rely on this physical activity as an outlet, as something to get that endorphins rush. It is really difficult to just be much more sedentary if you are not used to that. Um, but getting back into it too quickly has a lot of risks that I don't think people consider, you're not going to be 100% healed from your injury if you maybe get back into it faster than your doctor recommended or you're cutting corners and you're not really doing all the rest and you're like working out when you're supposed to not be working out. Like previously when I played volleyball and I had like kind of nagging aches, I was like, 
eh, I'm just going to go lift. Like, I think it's fine. Like whatever. In reality, that was like accumulated stress in my body that led to different major injuries. So as soon as you start to feel something, I think it's much better to take a day off than to be forced to take weeks or months off. So when you are starting to feel stuff, I think just having that body awareness, um, an interesting kind of like tangent related to this when I was going through my injury, I have a whoop, which is a fitness tracker. It's similar to like an aura ring. So it measures your heart rate data. It measures your sleep. It gives you a score every single morning. And then it also monitors how hard you push yourself in workouts based on like your respiratory rate and your heart rate and stuff like that. So when I had my stress fracture, I remember looking at my data because I was like, you know, I'm sedentary. I wonder what's going to happen. Like, is my resting heart rate going to get less fit? Like what's going to happen to my body? And the main thing that I found to be really interesting. So on the whoop score, I don't really know how the aura ring is, but like you wake up and it'll say zero to a hundred, like how recovered are you? And that's based on your baseline heart rate data once it starts to get to know your body. And so when I woke up the day after my injury, I was at like 10% recovery. All my biomarkers were completely out of the like roof when I was doing stuff. And I remember at that time I was getting blood work, like not related to my knee injury or anything. I just wanted to get like a full hormone panel. Right. And so I thought the hormone panel would be like all about my cycle, all about my hormonal imbalances. And I remember I got it back like a few months later. I wasn't once again in trying to take it after my injury. I just got injured and I was like, fuck, well, I have to do this blood work thing. So I got my data back and all of my cholesterol biomarkers were abnormal ranges like my cholesterol was high um all my inf inflammation markers were really high and i was so confused because it was once again like a blood sample it wasn't an mri saying that there was a break or there was a fracture this was like my cells like responding to the injury saying that like you are really under stress right now because i think it's very easy to separate the mind and the body in western culture and when an injury is happening we are happening we're told that you should just push through the pain don't think about it. You'll be fine. But in reality, like the body does keep score as I made in a meme and that book about, you know, body and trauma stuff that I've read. Um, and so when you're going through an injury, you might not feel like, let's say you are cleared to go back into movement underlying, there still could be a lot of stress in your body from that injury. So I would just err on the side of caution when it comes to getting back into that movement and to kind of stay sane. I think finding other hobbies outside of movement, let's say the gym is your life or running is your life suck it up and get a new hobby like that was a hard reality that I had to face during that time I picked up my guitar again I started seeing a lot more friends got a lot more into reading and writing and stuff like that so that became a good outlet for me that wasn't tied to movement and also looking at your life in terms of weeks not days this is something that I started to do the past two years just like kind of with marathon training but it's really hard to just think like day by day because you won't feel like you're making any progress with your injury. But I think when I would like reflect on Sunday nights as I do and do journaling exercises, I would really think like, okay, last week I struggled to do this one thing. And this week, you know, this pain went away or something like that. I think it's really good to just keep that like knowledge on yourself. And it's really fun to look back and like when you read the really depressing journal entries and then you're on the other side of it, you can just have that as like evidence that like I've made it through stuff before I'm going to be fine. Um, and then I think the biggest thing that helps you get healthy during these injuries that come up is all about PT exercises and mobility. So when you are injured, most of the time it is from some sort of muscular imbalance. So let's say you injured your left knee like I did. My right glute was not activating and my left glute was overcompensating. My right hip flexor wasn't activating. And so you probably have an underlying imbalance in your body. And I think a lot of people don't have a very in-depth body awareness, which is totally normal. Like it's kind of like 
you know, a lot of leisure time for me to learn about these things about my body through physical therapy. But I think when you are in this really slow period, when you can't move, just take note of how your body works and how your body is moving once you're kind of cleared to do these mobility things, because you're not going to, you know, injure yourself. You're not really doing anything with weight, but I became just so much aware of like my posture, my rib cage is really collapsed. And I think it's just a cool time to learn about your body. Um, the next point is eating the same. I think a lot of people have this idea in their head that I'm not moving, so I can't eat as much as I was before, which totally makes sense where you're coming from. But when you are injured back to kind of that loop, like stress in the body thing, your body needs more calories to repair. You know, we don't like to think that, um, I think I said this in the last week's episode, the quote from the book, what's eating us about your brain, like your brain consumes 20% of the calories that you take in a day. So even though it feels like you only use calories to maybe like work out and go like break a sweat, your body needs calories to repair cells, to repair tissue and muscles that you might've broken down. So make sure you're eating enough and also make sure you are sleeping enough. Um, you have no excuse to not sleep during this time. You might feel like you don't want to nap. You don't want to sleep, but that's going to be one thing that really helps with recovery and repair. And then the next thing that's more kind of woo woo, I suppose, is what you say about your pain and body does translate to how you heal. Um, there's been different studies, and I read this book called Why Woo Woo Works, and it was looking at uh, the power of placebo. So it was a bunch of di different studies, like they would just tell people like, hey, we're going to give you a pill with this, or we're going to make you good on this healing modality. And if people believed in the treatment, they were much more prone to healing quicker than the other group, regardless of what the treatment was, just because they believed that this is a thing that's going to work. Um, so that's something to just keep in mind. If you are outright negative about like, I'm never going to get back, I'm never going to run again or whatever the injury was, it's going to kind of um, prolong this healing process. And so just be very optimistic with it. Um, I think coming off this injury, I'm on the other side of it now, like, I am stronger than I was before and I'm a better runner than I was before, which really I never thought I would get to. And I've just been really like emotional the past two weeks. My physical therapist just like, wow, I finally can run again and not be worried about like something nagging. But it's been a year, like it's been a very long time. And I think it's really easy with anything in health and wellness of like, let's say you had an eating disorder and you know you have to eat more. You do it for like two months and then you fall back into your old patterns and then you're never have done it. You haven't done it long enough to see yourself on the other side of it. I think previously when I've gotten injured, you know, I've, I've rested a little bit and I've eaten a little bit more, but I wasn't super, super committed to it for like months to years. And so I never got on the other side of it to gain the muscle, to have the body awareness. And I would just really encourage you to like, enjoy that process of getting better because it'll feel very rewarding on the other side. And I think this was a quote in a book that I read, but as soon as you stop caring about winning, the winning happens. And I think that's kind of what happened with me with running. As soon as I took off the pressure of like, I'm going to run a marathon at this time, my body just started to work faster. Like once I got less obsessed about pace and once I got less obsessed about these like fitness goals in my head, everything just started to click. Um, so really take that stress off your body because if you are going through an injury, like I mentioned before, there's already enough stress on your body. You don't need to like add the mental load to it as well. 
Yeah, I've never have experienced like a serious injury before in my life, but I think also too, like definitely tailor your social media to one that is like more positive and supportive during this process and follow creators or athletes like Kate herself that really share like the day-to-day process of recovering from an injury because I think a lot of people on the internet just like to show the happy-go-lucky side of them and like not really like to show, you know, the hard and rough days. And I think like being able to see like the raw and realness of like the bad days and the good days. A, makes you feel like way less alone because if you do have an injury, like you likely are experiencing loneliness because you're unable to like maybe socialize because you're unable to walk as much. Um, And I think it's just like good to remember that like, A, you're not alone and also B, like it's okay to have bad days, but like there's also going to be like great days during that entire journey too. Um, So that's kind of my one little extra thing to consider but obviously i'll never be able to fully relate to the experience of a you know experience some sort of stress stress fracture i think like the worst i've ever had is like weird muscle strains from like running probably because like my gait was completely off um that's one thing that i'm grateful about with swimming is that the likelihood of getting injury is fairly low um but you guys can obviously get through it um it's life and everyone is strong um Kind of getting into the next section is I got a question, I think, on my personal Instagram about, like, inflammatory foods, anti-inflammatory foods, kind of talking about that. Um, So I figured I could kind of do a little, like, how to quickly spot a food item that is pro-inflammatory when you are grocery shopping or maybe going out to eat. I know a lot of our listeners are young in college, starting to maybe grocery shop for themselves and cook for themselves for the first time and, like, discovering their own personal health. And I think like learning about health, especially your own personal health and nutrition can be daunting. And, you know, once you're also trying to like change grocery shopping habits, you're in the store, it can be like really overwhelming because you're like not wanting to read labels all the time because it's so time consuming. So I think what to look out for in terms of like food that could be beneficial for your health versus not. Um, The biggest takeaway here is that like processed foods, again, sugar and like just like low quality fats are going to likely set off an inflammatory response in your body. And like key ingredients to look out for is refined sugar. So I think one important thing to know about sugar is that there are over 60 names for sugar. So just because you don't explicitly see like sugar noted as like, you know, on the ingredient label, it does not mean that like sugar isn't in that said food because oftentimes a lot of brands will use different forms so that then sugar doesn't show up as like the main ingredient because the ingredient list has to display each ingredient based off of like which one is like basically makes up the most of like each product. Um, Next is high fructose corn syrup. So this just supplies the body with excessive amounts of fructose and that can counteract the anti-inflammatory responses of omega-3s. And then vegetables and seed oils, which I'm sure a lot of people are tired of hearing of at this point, but canola, soybean oil, they all have like high omega-6 to 3 ratios, which can throw up your own internal ratio. We want um, you know, a ratio that's more favorable in terms of like omega-3s, just because these are the anti-inflammatory omegas. And if we do have too many omega-6s, which is uh, very common in the Western diet and can put you into a pro-inflammatory state. Um, but types of foods, again, it's going to be your packaged sweets, processed grains, such as like white bread, processed um, high sodium meats, such as like salami and like fried foods, whether that's like frozen or if you're out to eat with your friends. So things to look out for. I think it's like always so helpful to have like little charts or like little images of, you know, things that you can easily access and reference when you are grocery shopping. I have a bunch of screenshots of like books from Mark Hyman about like certain foods and like what type of vitamins and minerals they have. So if I'm like trying to figure out ideas of like, oh, I want to like switch up my vegetable intake, like what is maybe something that contains, I don't know, vitamin K2 and maybe it's like a new vegetable that I can try that way. 
Um, things to look out for, you know, definitely get things that are made with coconut oil, beef towel, and olive oil. This primarily goes for, you know, the packaged goods. There's masa chips now. I know like Siete uses like avocado oil. There's like the pork rind chips. Um, and like there's so many brands that are utilizing, you know, much better oils in their processed foods. Um, sweets that are made with like honey, maple syrup, and dates. Again, like fiber-rich whole grains such as like lentil pasta or quinoa, sourdough or sprouted bread or crackers, and then spices as well. So like turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, these are great like anti-inflammatory spices, but any, you know, fun foods that do contain these in, you know, adequate quantities could then also have some anti-inflammatory impacts on your body. And then as always, like nuts and seeds, Kate and I are a huge fan of the bulk food section. I think that's like a great area just to like get a big sack of walnuts and like you're kind of like set for the week there. Um, But that's just kind of like, you know, high level what to look out for and what not to look out for um, in terms of like when you are grocery shopping. Yeah, a good list. I feel like the grocery store can be overwhelming at times, or maybe you just want to be like literally looking at a list, be in and out. So like Emma said, it's good to have an idea before you get there, but experimenting with new products can be a good way to like spice it up too. Um, The next question and the last one for the pod is going to be the pros and cons of like social media kind of being flooded with wellness information. So obviously, you know, running CMOS girlies, we are a little bit um, subject to this. We have kind of created a lane on the internet for people to yap about wellness um and so I think I was just kind of thinking off the cuff of like what these pros and cons are I think some of it's intuitive and I feel like people might have different opinions on it um just on based on your personal experience um Emma and I both read the book who is wellness for I just finished it this week and the book talks about the lack of context that we have when we think of wellness in the western world just because so much was or so much knowledge has been extracted from the east eastern countries uh, the power of like colonization and how it's just weaponized, you know, different Eastern modalities and just how capitalism has fucked everything up. It's a really good read. But when I was thinking about like what probably the CMOS girlies are thinking of when they think of wellness and social media, like it probably is consumerism. It probably is a product. It probably is our memes that are telling you to like go do some lifestyle gimmick, you know? So being self-aware that like we probably are contributing to like a bit of the wellness issue but I think Emma and I have good intent of like just getting more people educated on wellness like I don't think we are trying to post memes without like the context but also like we're not historians on wellness it's it's kind of interesting to like be posting funny stuff about wellness when so much of it does have these deep histories and these deep ties to it um but I think the pros to having wellness content on social media I think the biggest is that there's this new access to information that we didn't have before anyone could potentially make a TikTok platform and potentially go viral and then like have this huge audience to hear what they have to say we didn't have that before there was a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to different institutions and policy and books and like who had the power to share information there's definitely more opportunity for diverse voices and opinions to be included when it comes to the conversation of like what wellness is. Um, There's multiple sources, there's multiple lenses. I think people can go back and forth with like what is valid. I think the con of that problem is that there's so much information. Um, It feels like you could go down a new rabbit hole every day of some new thing that you can use to optimize yourself. I think a lot of wellness content has good intent, like I kind of said before, but I think it can come off as like, I am spending all of my life self-optimizing. If I don't keep you know, community care involved in my own individual wellness, then I am just being like a consumer in the market at the end of the day. Like I'm getting my Berkey filter. I'm getting my arugula. 
I'm doing this, but I don't know what my community has access to. And I think it's a problem for the United States to mention, you know, the main offender of this, where we are so individualistic, we are so disconnected from the places we live. People live, like most people like will go somewhere else for college. A lot of people still stay, but that's like a new trend that is affecting how communities form. There's also the decline of re religion across the United States. And that affects how organized communities are, or if there is a way to meet your neighbors and organize. And so I think those two trends and how it ties to wellness is like, wellness has become this substitute of kind of flashing different social signifiers to show like, I'm with it because I got the bone broth today, or I'm with it because I got the kale juice today. And I think it's tough because even if people are teaching about bone broth and why it's good for your gut health and can really help you be a better, healthier person, it does become commodified. It does become a consumer product and it becomes a trend on social media, even when a lot of these things have great history, great integrity and great knowledge to them. So I think that's like a pro and a con where we have all this information, but it's also like, how is the information getting told? Whose vo voices are getting elevated and which historical context is left out of the way that we talk about wellness? I think one pro is that there's this profound ability to share your experience you know, before social media, let's say you were living in a rural part of the country, you weren't living in New York City, LA, whatever, you maybe didn't find people that were interested in the same subjects as you, or if it comes to any sort of chronic illness, or I'm thinking, uh, yeah, like chronic illness, let's say like a hormonal issue, you probably didn't have access to find people with answers, solutions that have gone through similar experiences. So I think that can be a really beautiful part of social media is that you could go on and document like, hey, I have PCOS, like, here's my journey with it find other people that have had same experiences, find solutions, find holistic healers. I think that's a great potential of social media. I think a huge con that is pretty obvious is that there's just right potential for misinformation and disinformation. Um, we see diet culture shit every single day. We see a lot of quote health coaches that promote stuff that are not rooted in any sort of you know, like scientific knowledge, or maybe it is not suited for some people. And some people just think I need to follow this TikTok video because this girl that is telling me this video is beautiful. I want to be her, whatever. And it can lead to a lot of health problems. Like I said, I think when it comes to wellness, I think it seems like a positive some activity to take part in wellness, right? I'm going to go do a juice cleanse. I'm going to go get an infrared sauna, but we don't think that, oh shit, these things could lead to negative health outcomes. And so it just seems like I can add all of these routines and little rituals to my lifestyle, but it sometimes can be too many things. I saw a video about like a, an esthetician this week that was like 80 for 85% of my clients used less products after seeing me once because they were just using 10 things that were breaking them out, not right for them. And there is this pressure on social media um, of comparison. There is this pressure to look like different people, buy all the products, whatever. But I think I hope at least the CMOS girlies can really step back and realize like, that's not what this is about. Like, you're not going to be happy just because you have the moon juice, sex dust, whatever, you know, your problems are still going to exist. I think these things can be tools for you to help different health ailments, but just because you have it on the shelf and you post it on your Instagram, it's not going to do much to making you feel like a different human. Like that's not, it is a way to connect in some senses, like with CMOS girlies, but at the same time, like you need friendships outside of social media you need support systems that exist like in your real life too um i also think you see like the toxic you know productivity stuff just all over tiktok of like wake up with 4 a.m at me or wake up at 4 a.m with me my 5 to 9 before my 9 to 5 type shit and it can just be so overwhelming to feel like you always have to add stuff um i mentioned this earlier but i think 
when it comes to how wellness has become commodified in the United States, a lot of things lack integrity, history, and context. Um, they have become just extracted from Eastern countries. And that's how the, like, there's this profiting off of wellness and not and the right people that have invented these healing modalities are not getting reparations and they're not getting credit for these things that now like white people are adopting and stealing. Um, and then back to comparison, I think just stepping back as someone who is a creator and like has viewed you know, different content creators my whole life and is one people lie all the time on the internet I'm not saying that I lie about shit I feel like I'm very honest in my journey but like people lie about how much they eat people lie about their lifestyles facetune exists so just because you see some pretty shit on your phone doesn't mean that it's reality um as someone who's like you know a public facing figure like I share a lot of my personal life on the on the internet but there's also a lot of shit I go through that I do not want to share just because it is very personal and I don't need hundreds of thousands of people knowing that information. So even if I'm posting a video and smiling, like I'm probably going through something shitty too. So just remember that the people you follow are people and they also have struggles, emotions, et cetera. But I think the biggest um, thing that you can do is to cater your following, unfollow people or mute people or something if they trigger you. Like I've done that to people that I'm just like, oh, I don't need to see them going on a diet or I don't need to see this content. Um, I think a lot of CMOS girlies also have like semi-anonymous like inspo accounts where like maybe you are not front-facing but you just want to follow a bunch of like health accounts to get information or a bunch of fashion accounts on pinterest i think that can be a good way to use social media because there's not this pressure to like make it about your life and you know fabricate your life or make it seem like this extravagant thing and then the other one is feeding your algorithm so this was a kind of a tangent from the ezra klein podcast i don't remember if i mentioned this on TikTok or the podcast last week, I'm just kind of scatterbrained with that. Um, but there was this podcast that was talking about algorithms and it really made me reflect on how I consume content because back in 2010, let's say, before we had the TikTok algorithm, before we had, you know, so many ads on social media, targeted ads, Facebook used to be a place where you were friends with your friends and you didn't see people that you didn't know. You didn't see aspirational content. You didn't see content that was educational. You didn't see fashion content, whatever. And you also didn't, you had to seek out content. Let's say you wanted to find a new indie band. You had to research and figure out where to find that music. You were not having a Spotify algorithm push you a Discover Weekly. When it comes to fashion stuff, you weren't getting new trendy videos via your TikTok algorithm. You're probably going on Pinterest and Tumblr, pinning outfits, putting, putting it together in your head. Also, a lot of like friends that I have that are fashion creators kind of complain a lot because people will just come on their videos and be like, ID on the shoes, links for the pants. And that's not the point of it. Like the point of it is to look at people's outfits. Okay. I like the way she styled that. I'm going to go to the thrift store. Or I'm going to go to this store, use my own personal style and sort of create an outfit there. So I think the way that algorithms push us content, we are not that aware of it. We just are taking in content all day long. And a lot of times we're not seeking it out. Like I'm subject to that with music. I just listen to whatever Spotify pushes me. And I remember in high school, like being on Tumblr and like trying to find bands or when it comes to fashion, I was following like the it girls in New York city of the 2010s and seeing what they were wearing. And I knew like everything they're wearing is designer. I'm 15 year olds and 15 years old in Minnesota. I'm going to go to the thrift store and try to create these things myself. So that's all to say, like, social media is definitely going to push you the diet content. It's going to push you the new, like, flaxseed mask, whatever the fuck we were talking about last week, because that is unfortunately what gets engagement, what gets clicks. But that's not to say that there's not good, wholesome content out there. You just might have to do more digging and start searching stuff like keywords or start 
um, thinking about how you take in content. And I think that can create a better social media experience. Um, Cause yeah, the algorithm is going to push you whack shit all the time. And I think I don't like the argument that social media is bad for you. I think there's bad elements to it, but I think it can be a tool for good too. It can definitely be a tool for good. Definitely use it the way you want to use it. Um, I've never really done like the social media detox, but it is sometimes nice just to know like, oh, I can delete this app. And even if it's just for an hour and like, I can go back to it, you can kind of experiment with, you know, which apps are best for you in terms of like your mental health. Um, and yeah, the algorithm is going to continue to be there and I'm sure like AI is only going to like make things worse. So it's definitely like up to us, I think, to make the most of social media and try to make it as personal as possible. I definitely miss that community aspect. And I think that's why it's so nice that we do have, you know, Geneva, which is kind of like an offline, you know, community, like granted, yes, it's an app, but you're not really getting pushed like algorithms and you're just seeing like actual, like real content in real time by real people. Yeah. So definitely seek out communities that are out there. Like Emma said, Geneva is a great one. Um, I think Pinterest is like a pretty neutral platform. I don't know. I feel like I can't get triggered by Pinterest. I feel like it's mostly good stuff. I think TikTok can be bad. Instagram can be bad. I really like YouTube. I got on YouTube recently and I just like the long form content more. I feel like it's less about clicks and that virality and selling you some detox tea. So maybe head over to YouTube or like get into more podcasts. I don't know. Um, But let us know how you guys consume content because I am curious if you guys feel like, hey, I used to like seek out shit and now I just kind of follow the algorithms because I think a lot of us are not really aware of like how our phones hijack our brains sometimes. Um, So let me know if you found that little tidbit interesting, but it's a Monday night. I am ripe to take an Epsom salt bath because it's freezing tonight. Um, You got any fun plans over there, dog? I need to put some lotion on my body this cold dry weather is making my skin oh so itchy um even though it's cold out i know how awful it is in the midwest so i've been really good with like not complaining it's like negative 40 in nebraska and i think like they got about like seven or eight inches of snow and i'm like you know what this is kind of what winter is supposed to be like so you know try to maybe actually enjoy the cold days because who knows how many more cold days we will have left in our lifetime but yeah i'm gonna put some lotion on and finish drinking my hot cocoa from that malama mushroom brand that has like cordyceps and lion's mane in it love it yeah i read something on instagram and i don't remember who posted or what it was but it was just kind of talking about how winter is a time to rest and hibernate like this conception of like a new year is a very western thing like when it comes to how moons are and astrology and astronomy are like you should start doing stuff again in march like you should still kind of keep your head down and like make soup and rest and relax in January. Um, but I think it's something with the Lunar New Year. I could be wrong. If you're a CMOS girlie that knows that shit, definitely fact check me on that. But maybe just hibernate for January because that's kind of my vibe um, for the month ahead. Oh, yeah. Hibernating, I'm in support of. That is definitely what I'm doing because what else is there to do? Um, but anyway, CMOS girlies, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll catch you next week and we'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you later. We'll see you on the meme page. See you next week.